we're going to talk about healing today. Uh, I'm not coming from a place of strength. I don't want to pretend like I have it all together, but more like, hey, we're all in the midst of this, and let's walk through this together. Uh, when you talk about healing, it brings up hurt, right? And so just to start out to say, we're going to touch on some sensitive things this morning. And I'll apologize in advance, or maybe I won't, depending on the response. Um, but uh, I just sort of just set that table a little bit. Um, if you have an emotional response, I see that as a good thing, right? That's the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear. It's saying, I care about you. I need you to hear this. So from a flawed vessel to a flawed vessel, that voice is the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the courage to heal uh, today because the idea is healing. It's not, I mean, it's like we all want that finish line. We want to run the, the marathon and get the medal. We just don't want to actually run the marathon. We just want the medal. Is, yeah, <laughs> can I just go to, the, is there like a stand where I can get the medal? Um, but here's the thing. For each of us, it's different. But for each of us, we get to face our biggest monster. It's the thing we're most afraid of. And so I thought, let's start with that intensity because it can only get better, right? Um, Let's uh, roll into the first slide, maybe. Oh, there we go. Okay, so um, this is from my journal. Uh, This is about three years ago, two, three years ago we went back to Washington State, uh, a place that I grew up, uh, a place I knew sort of everything about, a place I never thought I would leave. I remember the plane touching down, and we're riding up to Port Towns in the town we called home, and uh, everything felt familiar. There was a connection to the land. And while we were there, there was this opportunity for for my three oldest boys to be baptized by the pastor that had sort of raised them up until that point. And I remember just feeling this overwhelming sense of sort of connection to the land and to, to uh, the people. And we, I remember getting in the car and driving to my parents' house. And, um, you know, uh, you can see, they say you can't go home, that it changes, that we changed Uh, The kids piled in the car, and we went to see my parents. Their house had not changed. Uh, New pictures were on the wall, and uh, their skin was starting to show some of the age. But this was home. They were still drinking the same brand of coffee, and their dog was still peeing in the same place. And as I was driving home, or driving back to Port Townsend from my parents' home, it hit me. God is calling us home. The reason that that connection was there is because God's calling me home, because God's calling you home. And that sense, that metaphor of home is embedded in us. It's part of the DNA that the creator gave you, that there's this connection to home. And then the other thing the Lord told me was uh, uh, everything up until Jesus' death on the cross was about creating a home for us. And every moment since then 
is about calling us there. And that's, I feel like that's the story of healing, right? That we're being called home to this eternal home, right? All right, let's. Okay, we're going to look at uh, the healing pools at Bethesda. It's a, it's a passage of scripture out of John 5. Uh, on the right there, there's a map. I have a, a very uh, clearly drawn blue lines pointing at where it is. And on the left, there's a, a Google search image of the healing pools at Bethesda. Notice the columns. Uh, if you'll notice, switch the slides. The reason that's important is... The Bible is full of real people, real places. It's a real Jesus. And this really happened. We have to start at that point to say, this happened. Because in order for us to believe that it can happen in our life, we have to believe that it happened there. So let's get into the scripture. John 5. Man healed at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda is a place we know that. This is out of John. And uh, I'll just apologize in advance for biblical scholars, but I'm going to set some, some um, levels here. There's four Gospels, okay? Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You probably have heard those names before. Those are each a telling of Jesus' life from that person. So this is John's account. The fact that all four talk about a lot of the same things, again, reinforce this idea we're dealing with real things and real people. And so Jesus, um, he came to Jerusalem. As there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. There's a lot of extra detail there <laughs> that really, as far as I'm concerned, is really only about teaching us the thing is about the healing pools at Bethesda until about 1900, maybe a little bit earlier than that, this was believed to be allegory. Allegory means sort of biblical truths that may or may not be true. Who knows? But we haven't been able to find this specific place. So we just know that this is good and we should, we should listen to it. And then they find it. And there are five columns. And there's healing pools. Okay. In these healing pools lay a great multitude of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down to a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. So, uh, set the scene, right? We've got this little pool of water about the size of maybe the space between the chairs and here. And there's shallow pools. We're not talking about like diving in cannonball stuff, right? We're talking about getting into the water. And there was this belief that when the, the water would stir, what does it mean to stir water, right? It means that maybe like a, an air bubble is trapped on the, on the bottom of the floor of the, of the pool, and it just kind of trickles up. It means that maybe there's a tectonic plate shift so sensitive that you and I don't feel it, but the healing pool does, and it stirs. Who knows? Could be that like a, a bird drops a thing, 
right? But there was this belief that if you got in the water, you were made well. And, and in the Bible, it says um, an angel came down. A lot of biblical scholars believed it was like the nature spirit, right? We put a lot of faith in this stirrable water. Um, was made well, whatever disease he or she had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. For some of you, you're not even 38 years old. You're like, that's my entire life. For, for me, I would have been six years old when I came down with this infirmity. This person had been sick, unable to walk for 38 years. There's a point where it no longer feels like a sickness. Because think about people you've seen on the street that don't feel well. Do you look them in the eyes? See, there's this deeper, there's this physical pain that this person was in. There was this, this disease he had, but he also had the inside. When you're ignored for 38 years, you start to believe it on the inside too. Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition for a long time. So the Jesus I know, the Jesus I believe in didn't stand on top. Jesus sat next to him, right? And he said, what's going on? He got in his space. We see that throughout the Bible that Jesus gets in our space. So the idea that Jesus got in this man's space, a man who had been ignored most of his living life had the creator of the universe sitting next to him. And Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? I can imagine all of the things that this person's feeling. I mean, the guttural response, the immediate response is, well, yeah, of course I want to get well. Because that's all he's ever wanted, is to feel normal, is to feel well. Let's keep going. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another man steps down before me. (sighs) You know, the first time that happened, it's like, hey, the water's stirred. And, you know, having trouble moving, just, I'm getting to the thing. And then somebody jumps in front. Who are the people that are going to be able to get in the water first? It's going to be the people who are not facing the same pain that you are. They can get there first. So their pain may not be as deep, just as valid. But there was something that was preventing him from getting there. And, and, I, and I see him just sitting on the sideline. And other people, there's great joy. I got in the water because it's stirring. And I'm well, splashing, screaming, excited. Except for that guy. <laughs> that guy's like, oh, <sighs> again. And, and he gets to a point where he no longer tries because he doesn't believe he can get well. And then Jesus, this sort of a, uh, celebrity of the time you know it wasn't uh he was a real person and there was people talking and when he showed up 
People knew it. He, uh, he had been healing people. There was a history of it. And so I'm sure that this man knew who was sitting next to him. And when Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? That means something. So Jesus says, rise up, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. (sighs) Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Jesus asks us, do we want to get well? And we'll, so a little bit of level setting. Um, I'm complicated. We're all complicated, right? There's moments where I feel like, man, I've got it all together, and there's moments when I don't. I, I uh, said we in the first part, but then I personalized it because I didn't want to put this on you, but I'm pretty sure we're all here. See, I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good sometimes. Sometimes I feel good about feeling bad. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty, right? I'm trusting and I'm suspicious. I'm honest and I play games. I'm a complicated individual. I can feel both things at the same time. That's who I am. That's who we all are, right? Let's go to the next thing. And so that's the thing. There's another passage of scripture uh, out of Mark, Mark 2. Um, and and it's, I think this is a, a perfect picture of, of who Jesus was trying to reach. Jesus was trying to reach me. He was trying to reach you. Once again, Jesus went to the, beside the lake and a large crowd came with him because he was that guy, because everybody knew who he was. And he began to teach. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting on the tax collector's booth. Okay, tax collector. Let's unwrap that a little bit. <sighs> Things have not changed that much in 2,000 years. Your view of tax collectors is not that different than the view of tax collectors that were then. These are not people, they're known for cheating people and trying to take your money, and no one wants to give their money to someone else, right? And when their way they make their money is by charging a little bit more for the taxes, now it becomes a bit subjective. So not only is this person tax collector, Everyone in the crowd didn't like him. Ah, Levi. Jesus is talking to that guy. And so so Jesus uh, got up and followed, or Levi immediately got up and followed him. Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house because that's the immediate conclusion, right? Like, hey, you should follow me. We're having dinner at your house. Um... Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and the disciples. And there was many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Isn't that all of us? Isn't that me? Isn't that you? No, it's good. (laughs) On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
And if we sort of, sort of rewind one slide in our heads to our own complications, we're Levi. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And we acknowledge that maybe we have some things we need to address. That's the whole concept of the, the courage to, to be healed. It means we've got to look at some of the hard things in our own lives. And that doesn't always feel so good. I want to level set another thing. I hate it when people, uh, preachers, when folks come up and just tell me I'm a crappy person. Because that's not true. That is not who God created you to be. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You were created for so much. It says uh, uh, we're made at Imago Dei, Genesis 1.27. We're made in the image of God. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. When he looks his child in the eye, you, he sees himself. That's the DNA he's imprinted on us, is himself. Powerful. We are heirs to the throne. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, we're heirs to the kingdom. We are fearfully and wonderfully made out of Psalms. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Friends, we are God's chosen people set aside. And we're called to wholeness. We're not called to being broken, right? There's this, and I think it um, follows the message of the cross so perfectly, right? This idea that like we're, we're uh, dead in sin and then through Jesus's death on the cross, we're healed, right? It, it fits here too. We are called to wholeness, but the thing is, it doesn't just come. We hurt. Go to the next slide. What does those hurts look like? There's the physical stuff, right? It's on the outside. That's almost easier, right? Oh, you've got a broken arm. I'm so sorry. Let me pray for you. It hurts, right? Of course it does. Um, but for whatever reason, those external things feel a little bit easier to sort of claim, right? Because we, our, our first thing is we kind of have to acknowledge that we have those things that God is putting in front of us right? And so on the physical side, maybe it's pain, chronic pain. It's been facing you your whole life. No question. It's terrible. Maybe it's some disease. Maybe God has called you out because there's things he sees in you that you can share with others. Could be something else. But the thing is, those external things, they're they're, they're almost, I don't want to trivialize them because they're real and God can heal those and God does heal those. But the internal things that people can't see, a lot of times they're a byproduct of the external things, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's emotional difficulties. Addictions, 
I've dealt with uh, esteem issues my whole life. I'm a part of a, um, an industry, marketing, where the whole, um, the whole point is we want to tell you that you're not good enough to impact you to change your behavior. Choosy moms choose Jif. <laughs> My whole life, I've struggled with not being a choosy mom. <laughs> but that's the idea, right? And they're subtle. Those subtle messages weave through every aspect of our lives. There is n- not a day that goes by where someone is not telling you you're not enough. And the more you hear that message, the more you internalize it. And the more you start to say, I'm not enough. And you start to share that message with other people where you tell them you're not enough. When we're five years old, we're all called to be president of the United States. By the time we're 35 of electable age, we've let that dream go by because we've had people tell us we're not enough. Who in here was going to be an astronaut? I see, yeah, I see some hands. How many of you actually are astronauts? <laughs> That's the thing. It's like we've got these messages that tell us we're not enough, and I know that I'm not the only one that faces that, right? And, and, and we sometimes are victims of our own curse, right, where we feel crappy or whatever, and then we pile ourselves deeper into addictions and challenges and all of the emotional hurt that's inside of us because we're running from it. Maybe we eat because it makes us not feel for a minute. Maybe we don't eat because it makes us not feel for a minute. Sometimes it's our own doing. And sometimes it's just we're part of a thing bigger than us. And it's relationships, right? Maybe it's like a a difficult marriage. Infidelity. It can be a million different reasons. But you're asking yourself, why am I here? This is hard. The fighting, the, just the everything. I'm doing everything I can do. I'm at my wit's end. Maybe it's your children. Maybe they are no longer talking to you. Maybe you're no longer talking to them. Maybe you're disappointed in who they've become. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe you haven't talked to them in years because you don't like who they are. Because they believe differently than you. Because their politics are different than you. Then because their morals are different than you. Because you've met Jesus and they haven't. There's a million reasons. But this is broken. This is is who we are, right? And, And when we are broken, when those relationships are broken, we carry that pain inside of us. It doesn't go away. Maybe it's your work. Maybe your work situation is rough. Your boss is writing you, right? Maybe you're worried about where your next paycheck's going to come in. These are real, and this is all of us. Maybe it's your neighbors, and you just don't get along, and you're worried about a lawsuit. I don't know. There's a million things. Holy Spirit, give it to them. I don't know, but the deal is like, we all have it. And, 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 and the unfortunate part is it all comes down to that trauma piece at the end. We're enmeshed in trauma. And, um, and our body doesn't forget that. It holds on to it. Uh, I was talking to a friend yesterday. 
people who go through fires, like they're in a house fire, something along those lines, and they get burned. They don't feel it because the adrenaline's racing through their system, right? And they get, they get out of the fire. They're kind of sitting out, outside the fire. Fire's put out, sitting there, just kind of recovering. And, you know, they're like, you're, you're, you're healthy. You did it. You got through it. We're so glad. And then all of a sudden, the pain hits because the adrenaline's gone. And you're like, ah. Right. That trauma, like it, it lives, even though, so we get hit with something and we press it down. The idea is, I don't want to feel the hurt. I don't want to feel the pain. I would prefer, what's on, what's on Netflix? It feels better, doesn't it? Let's distract myself. That's what I do with my kids. Sorry. <laughs> Let's distract me from the things, because I've learned that <sighs> distraction means I don't need to feel these things. I don't need to think about these things. I don't need to do anything. There we go. It's a magic. When you flip your arms here, it just the slide changes. <laughs> so the thing is, I ask the question, what would healing look like for you? Because right? we're all dealing with our own stuff, right? We all have those things inside of us that we're sort of chewing on. The things that the Holy Spirit's whispered in your ear and your ear only. This is your monster. So I asked the question, what would life look like for you without that? It's that question that Jesus asked the paralytic, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Because the reality is it means your life will change, right? No, keep going. Don't go. Don't go yet. Thanks. Um, And so, because the thing is, we start to... We start to take on that crutch, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I, I kind of like that. It, these are my toys, right? They, this immediate sort of feeling of I can hold on to this in exchange for the long-term benefit. The, the immediate now feels better than the unknown future. There's a young man I used to work with in Young Life. I think he had like a wart on his ear, something like that, of all things. And he covered his ear with duct tape. And because uh, duct tape, you know, you move, remove light from it and eventually the wart dies. And uh, after about three months, six months, a year, he had aged out of Young Life, no longer a part of the Young Life system. His younger brother was helping us, it was participating. And I said, what's the deal with this young man to his brother? He's, he's got duct tape on his ear. It's been two years. Two years. And his brother's like, I don't know. The wart's gone. The wart's been gone for like, t- for like two years. And I was like, I don't even get that. But it's because that felt comfortable, right? Because there's a point where, where we go, this, this immediate pain I can live with because I don't know what future's coming. The, 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 the paralytic What was his life going to look like when healing came? Do you want to get well? What raced through his head? What would race through your head? Do you want to get well? It means that I'm no longer going to be sitting poolside, but it also means I might have to get a job and food. Where's that going to come from? It means things are going to be different. What does a restored relationship with your parents look like? It means you might have to enter in and deal with some of that pain. 
What does a restored relationship with your kids look like? It means that stuff is going to come to the surface and there is no escaping it. Do you want to get well? Well, in principle, it would be great. I'd love that. That sounds really good. But it also means all of those monsters you've run from your entire life are now knocking on your door. And so (laughs) if that's the case, who can you take on this journey with you? Because you cannot do it alone. You've already tried and failed. I have too. Now we can do that. (laughs) Healing takes courage, right? We taught, we started this. the, The idea was it's the courage to heal because if it was just easy, we would have already done it. And healing starts and finishes at the cross. We already, I, I already kind of set that table, right? That idea that like, it's the, it's the uh, forgiveness cycle, right? I'm going to confess and you're, God, I need your help. And that's where it begins. It's funny how grace and forgiveness are often connected, right? I want to be made well, but that means I need to forgive. And sometimes I want to be made well. That means I need to forgive myself. Your life will change. It's going to cost something. Um, And where change is, fear is also. We also know fear comes from, from Satan right? That's not God. God is not putting fear in your heart. I mean, I guess there's probably a righteous fear or something like that, right? Fear, don't touch the hot stove because you'll burn yourself. Sure, those are good. Great, great pushback. But the real fears, right? The ones that don't make sense. I'm afraid of really looking at the hard stuff in my life. Man, that's not from God. Go ahead and, okay. And so, a lot of this, I, I, I keep coming back to, okay, I want to get well. That sounds great. Sure, sure, I'm broken. Got it. I've heard that before. I've even felt that before. Asking that question to you. What's preventing you? What's causing you from going deeper? Is it your fear? Okay, call that out. Name it and claim it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what change will be. I'm afraid the change that will come into my life. Is it your own control issues? Goodness, I have those. We all do, right? Like I've kind of got this plan for my life. And I run it past God, and God kind of gives me the thumbs up once a week at church. It's my plan. I do this. Wednesday night Bible studies, my plan. I do this. Control issues. And so, like, we, and with that comes trust issues, or maybe you just don't like change. I don't. No one does. But the deal is, you're trading short-term benefit for long-term value. You're you're choosing your current comfort 
over the life that God has picked out for you. (sighs) Healing starts at the cross. Um, And I'm not an expert. I I started there. I'm in the midst of this. We all are. (sighs) Means you have to sit in your mess for a little bit means that thing that you shoved down deep so you didn't have to think about it or feel. You've got to feel. And the beautiful thing is you've got the creator of the universe sitting next to you, holding your hand, asking you, do you want to get well? I'm here with you. We will do this together. You've got to sit in the midst of it. and You've got to sit there with Jesus. You've got to surround yourself with support other people that will walk with you. Again, we've already tried to do this, and it didn't work out the first time. We have to lean into the hard. We have to feel the feels. Because that's the only way we're going to get through it. We have to let the great healer unravel the layers. God who came and said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. If you don't feel sick, you don't go to the doctor. How many of you go, actually go for well checks once a year? Okay, good. That's healthy. That's really good. Good job. Most of us didn't, right? Because, again, when, when you're feeling good, you don't need the help. And the, and the deal is we have to feel that for God to be able to get to that. This hurts, Jesus. Stop. But that's how we get to the healing. And it sometimes means forgiveness, right? Sometimes it means forgiving myself. Sometimes it means forgiving someone else. And then we have to ask the creator of what comes next. Okay. This comes from, um, well, it comes from the Bible. Okay. Um, Matthew 12, 20. No, Captain Obvious arrived. Um, Jesus is talking and he says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. And, and Brandon Manning was this um, speaker, I would say, certainly in the 90s. He died, I want to say, 2012, 2013. And he, uh, his, 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 his theology, his, what, what, his teaching really cut deep for me. And, and one of the things that he had said was, this verse is a promise to Man, I'm bruised, but he is not going to break me. God will, God is going to take care of me in the midst of my heart. Like a smoldering wick, he will not quench. We have to trust in the assurance and the promise that God has put out there that healing will come. The outcome is not always what you expect, but it is what you need. All right. And I'm going to, there's a kind of a final scripture that I really, really like. Um, my friend Don Hyun um, pointed me at this years ago. And it really sort of changed a lot about how I saw this scripture and how I saw healing. So, um, Mark 8:22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man. And beg Jesus to touch him. Because again, we still have the same Jesus who is healing people. 
and like now and like then. People wanted to be healed. People wanted to get well. And so they brought him and they said, please, will you touch him? Because the belief was that if Jesus touched them, they would be made well. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Let's get out of this crowd. It's just going to be you and me because that's how healing works. We're going to get out of the crowd. We're going to get into the village. And when Jesus uh, got there, he spit on the man's eyes, which kind of a weird thing, right? Because <laughs> Jesus doesn't all, and it's not always what we expect. And can you imagine what the blind man was thinking right there? He's like, I can't see, but it sounds like you're spitting. Okay, I know you're spitting. He spit on the man's eyes and, and, and sort of the dirt and made mud, kind of packed it in there, right? And he says, do you see anything? Man looks up, and I, you can imagine what he's probably feeling, right? He's like, Jesus, just spit on me. I'm going to get well. <laughs> and he says, I, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Okay, sort of weird. So then Jesus once again uh, gets in the dirt, makes some mud, rolls it in his hand, forms it, puts it on the man's eyes. Now he can kind of see the trees. I don't know what you're doing, but it worked the first time. Go for it. And at this time, the man says his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus said, sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Why did Jesus have to touch him twice? Why did he have to heal him two times? God of the universe, supreme power, walks on water, turns bread and fish into enough food to feed 5,000. Why does he need to do this two times? Nineteen seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Medical technology advanced finally to a point where um, they could heal. There was a condition, a specific condition, where they were able to remove a block on the retina, something along that. I'm clearly an eye doctor. <laughs> um, where they were able to remove the condition that prevented this man who was born blind to now be able to see. And uh, they, they performed the procedure. The man's sitting there. He's wrapped in gauze because, you know, they have to heal, whatever. And so he's sitting there, right, covered in gauze. And the, the uh, medical community was abuzz. The report, there was a report written about it. There's articles. The man's name is Virgil, if you want to look it up. Uh, anyway, so he's there. And, and, and so they start to unravel the, the gauze and the thing, right? And they're excited, we have given this man sight. What do you think he said? Everyone looks like trees walking around. Weird, isn't it? See, that's the thing. Our eyes are muscles, and no one had ever thought about this. Our eyes are muscles, and since we're little kids, we put little things in front of their faces, and they're like, I'm happy. 
then we move it away and then they can't see but we know that when they're tiny their focus is about here so you have a little baby right here mm. right and the baby smiles and laughs and as they get older we don't need them as close because we have bubbles and <laughs> and so uh our eyes learn to focus over time right did they know that 2,000 years ago when this came out? Did they know about post-blind syndrome is what it's called? The report written, it quotes this verse. It says, we believe that this is called post-blind syndrome. So Jesus, the blind man came and says, I want to get well. And Jesus healed him. But it's not what the guy expected, right? He says, I want to be, able, I want to be normal. I want, everything has to be the same way. See, sometimes healing doesn't look like what we expect. Sometimes healing looks like everyone looks like trees walking around. But the thing is, that healing is the healing that you need. Right? I believe that there's a reason this was embedded in scripture, both for nuggets from the past so that we can, you know, 2000 years later go, that's proof. But also so that things like our own healing, when we say I'm hurting God, heal me, heal me. And God's like, I already did. I healed you a long time ago. You just don't accept it. So sometimes it's like that. Sometimes we say, I'm still broken, God. I'm still broken because I can't see. And God's like, no, 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 I healed you. Sometimes the healing we want, it's not the healing we get. Go to the next slide. Today, this era, we look at the concept of faith as merely a belief in the existence of God. Does, is God real? Faith, uh, historically this was not faith. Faith was one, a relationship with God. One is a matter of head knowledge. I believe or I don't believe. A Boolean value. And one cuts so deeply into your soul that it begs you to ask the question, do you want to get well? Because I think things should come full circle. It brings us back to that moment of sort of coming home and that baptism, that moment that God's calling you to. Every moment up until your transformation through Christ's death on the cross was about creating a home for you. And ever since that moment, it's been God calling you back to that home. Um. I, um, I struggle a bit with, with the healing thing because it means that we have to um, be honest about our own shortcomings. Um, I, I struggle with this topic because it's so emotionally ridden because it means that we have to chase our own monsters. 
And so I don't in any way want this to be manipulative. That's not it. But the reality is, man, I feel hurt. I feel broken. And we have to do this together. And so this church, this body, these are the people that are here for you. And I'm not... I've been praying about this. Like, what is... How do we... How do we end this? And I think, I think I know. And it's this. If you feel like, man, I want to start this journey today of healing, stand up. Have the people around you reach out and pray for you. And if you don't have someone to do that to, pray for me. So I'd say now, if you guys want to start that journey today, if you feel like the Lord's whispering in your ear, the Holy Spirit's telling you, now's your moment. Just stand up and know that there's going to be people that come on. You don't have to tell them why. In fact, that'd be a little weird. But if you want that healing, and there's, there's going to be people that do it, let's do that now. That's okay. I'm going to pray. And we'll get the worship band out. And if there is um, prayer that maybe, maybe it takes a moment. We have folks who want to pray with you. Find them on the corners, on the edges. Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you called us to a whole life, to a bigger life, a life bigger than ourselves. That you called us to a better version of ourselves. God, let that healing begin today. Give the folks here the courage to tackle the things they need to tackle. In Jesus' name, amen.